Hello, my name is Rasmus Nelson. I'm a research fellow here at the Reuters Institute. I organized this seminar series together with my colleague, Andrew Nitz. And today we are very fortunate to have with us uh, Dr. Damien Tambini from the London School of Economics, where he's a senior lecturer. Um, Dr. Tambini is also an associate fellow of the Institute for Public Policy Research. Did I get the acronym right? You did. Not being a, a, a local, so as it were. And a frequent contributor to The Guardian. Writes on media policy uh, and issues of uh, the press, uh, media and democracy, uh, and the internet. And we'll speak today about uh, WikiLeaks and freedom of expression. So thank you very much, Damien, for joining us today. Thanks very much, and um, nice to see you all. Um, back to be, uh, nice to be back on my um, territory, having worked here for a number of years. Uh, and also been a visiting fellow at, at, uh, at Reuters. Um, this is a work in progress um, and uh, a uh, really a set of initial thoughts on um, WikiLeaks and its uh, implications for freedom of expression. Um, I am going to do uh, three things um, in terms of the main parts of the talk. I'm going to First of all, examine the response to uh, WikiLeaks by uh, human rights organizations and um, in particular human rights organizations that have a particular responsibility in the field of freedom of expression. So um, <clears throat> my uh, uh, initial uh, conclusion here is, is that I'm, I'm surprised in a sense that there hasn't been more activity among NGOs and uh, uh, freedom of expression advocates, and I think that's worthy of more attention. Secondly, I'm going to look into the um, idea of freedom of expression as a principle and as a constitutional framework, um, and try and unpack it a little bit and uh, begin to think of uh, uh, WikiLeaks' own position. This is a statement from, from WikiLeaks' uh, website. Um, and the ways in which it's using freedom of expression in order to justify its uh, approach and some of the problems, challenges, and limitations with that. Um, and then I'm going to just try and look at some of the uh, implications for WikiLeaks and the internet uh, uh, and, and freedom of expression on the internet more generally. I think it's probably also worth um, saying what I'm not going to do uh, because that will give people, if they're disappointed, the opportunity to leave the room. Um, I'm not going to offer a uh, loyally interpretation of whether a case in the US under the Espionage Act is likely to succeed or indeed likely to be uh, pursued by the US government. Um, I think you need a lawyer to do that, um, uh, and maybe a clairvoyant lawyer at that. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to get involved in that Assange uh, issue, you know, the extradition uh, treaty and the, the, the question of whether there's a, there's a political context to the, um, uh, the extradition uh, uh, hearing and the uh, rape charge. Uh, interested really in the, um, the model of WikiLeaks, the electronic Dropbox um, uh, and uh, the global reach uh, and the particular strategy and position of WikiLeaks as a form of journalism or pseudo-journalism and the challenges that presents. So and I, the other thing I'm not going to do, because I assume everybody like me is obsessed with WikiLeaks at the moment, I'm not going to give you too much background on, 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 on the detail of the cases um, uh, or on how WikiLeaks uh, works. I'm going to take that as read. So 
the response to WikiLeaks uh, in terms of the uh, NGOs and human rights uh, campaigners, I think has been quite interesting. Um, despite the fact that WikiLeaks won uh, the Economist Index on Censorship Freedom of Expression Award in 2008 and the Amnesty International uh, Human Rights Reporting Award in, in 2009, I think we can argue that particularly in the US, human rights organizations, NGOs, have been somewhat muted in their response. Obviously, there's a little uh, role for interpretation here. How much is uh, too much? How much is not enough? Uh, and how do you identify and measure um, that kind of hesitancy? I'm, I'm, I'm open to persuasion. But a few um, examples, if we just look at what NGOs and civil society organizations have um, uh, published and have uh, 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 ways in which they've been campaigning and engaging in particular with the US government. The, uh, take um, uh, the, the UK-based human rights organizations first. Uh, the uh, index on censorship is quite interesting if you look at this uh, organization which exists to promote freedom of expression. Um, it uh, is concerned, uh, although it has to a certain extent been broadly supportive about WikiLeaks, um, that has become more muted, and uh, they have uh, also been very concerned, for example, in relation to um, uh, civil society organizations in Belarus, that WikiLeaks has uh, been publishing material that has been putting uh, civil society organizations uh, in danger. Um, and they're um, uh, particularly concerned that civil society NGOs in Belarus um, who are prohibited from registering their organizations um, have been um, uh, targeted by uh, the security forces in, in Belarus uh, as a result of these um, uh, publications. To quote um, a, a, a correspondence between uh, Index on Censorship and WikiLeaks, they say, Index on Censorship, as you know, has been supportive of WikiLeaks on the question of freedom of expression and freedom of information. Our overall mission is to promote free expression and safeguard the rights of those seeking to exercise free expression. But the actions of the Belarus government, by any standards, violate those freedoms. And um, they, they uh, make the point that uh, the Belarus government has had access to information as a result of publications by WikiLeaks. So um, uh, it cuts both ways. Some other uh, information from uh, other civil society organizations. Article 19, more supportive of WikiLeaks. Uh, Article 19, does anybody here need an introduction? Uh, Article 19 of the UN Convention is the article that su supports freedom of expression. Article 19, the organization. Um, uh, has been uh, is a campaigning organisation for freedom of the press. Again, slightly muted. Um, they are broadly supportive, um, but they haven't been uh, actively campaigning and engaging with the uh, with the uh, protection of WikiLeaks domestically in the UK. They've been using this as a way of uh, promoting general principles of freedom of expression. Transparency International, nothing on WikiLeaks, interestingly. In the UK, 
Transparency uh, International, uh, the global website. Um, uh, they're, they're, you will find references to uh, WikiLeaks, but there have been no positive campaign messages since Cablegate. Just general reference to, to WikiLeaks documents and uh, nothing since last October. There have been um, uh, various attempts to uh, engage in the debate uh, by civil society organizations, 31 uh, uh, NGOs, including the Center for De Democracy and Technology and the Electronic Frontier Foundation wrote to the US government in December, um, uh, strongly arguing against use of the, the Espionage Act to prosecute uh, WikiLeaks and against principles of prior restraint citing um, the uh, uh, US v New York Times, the Pent Pentagon Papers case. So um, my overall uh, uh, argument is that where, whereas you might expect in relation to the uh, NGOs and campaigning organizations to um, uh, a broad uh, a groundswell of support for, for um, WikiLeaks, in fact, what you see is, is rather more muted. And this is more, more the case in the US. Um, the Freedom Forum, uh, uh, a campaigning organization for free speech, um, ostensibly, uh, is uh, uh, silent on WikiLeaks. Um, the uh, uh, First Amendment Center, which is part of the um, Freedom House uh, body, um, uh, is more or less silent uh, on the recent uh, uh, WikiLeaks issues since Cablegate, and um, IFEX, the International Freedom of Expression Exchange, nothing since October 10. Um, and this corroborates what I hear speaking to NGOs and speaking to um, uh, advocacy organizations uh, is, a, uh, is the result of a uh, real uh, paralysis in terms of uh, understanding the um, fundamental issues around freedom of speech that WikiLeaks raises. Um, it appears to break the mold uh, and upset subtle balances, and I'll say a little bit about those balances in a moment, between freedom of speech and uh, balancing rights and, uh, and consequences of publication, and subtle ethical and self-regulatory balances come into question. So moving on to discuss uh, freedom of speech, um, uh, and I'm just going to lay out some um, what I what I think are some some really broad uh, principles underlying freedom of expression. Um, this is the uh, uh, European Convention on Human Rights. We could look at the uh, article, uh, the, the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, but Article 10 um, uh, reads. Uh, like this, I um, just to, to 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 give a uh, a bit of context to this. I, I spent a lot of time talking to journalists, to policymakers, and to lawyers uh, about freedom of expression and discussing with them uh, freedom of speech and, and media regulation. And I find, um, broadly speaking, I, I identify three different takes on freedom of in, of expression. Campaigners, like those I um, uh, uh, have just been, been speaking about, 
quite often um, tend to refer to freedom of expression as an absolute principle, as something which is um, uh, uh, should be supported. And in some of the commentary um, on, on WikiLeaks, the uh, the uh, fit, fits into this um, this category. We should defend WikiLeaks because there is a principle of freedom of speech, um, uh, and uh, this uh, WikiLeaks is clearly. Um, Part, part of that, so therefore we should support WikiLeaks. Lawyers, on the other hand, and I'll say a little bit more about this, um, are very happy with the idea that freedom of speech is not an absolute right. It's something which is always balanced. Uh, the right to free speech is balanced with rights to uh, privacy, to life, to national security, and this indeed is, is, is there in the second part of, the, uh, of Article 10. Um, the exercise of these freedoms may be subject to formalities, conditions, and restrictions as are prescribed by law and necessary in a democratic society. So uh, lawyers tend to be very happy with freedom of, of speech in terms of a set of balances to be struck between the right to free speech and balancing rights and the rights of others. Philosophers, on the other hand, uh, are very uh, focused on the normative justification of free speech. Uh, going back to John Stuart Mill, the idea, um, and this is, uh, uh, each of these are um, constant strands in the jurisprudence on free speech, that there are separate uh, and, uh, 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 arguments from truth, uh, the argument that um, uh, free speech uh, is necessary to facilitate the search for truth. The argument from democracy, uh, democracy requires free speech, and the separate argument from uh, self-fulfillment or self-expression, the idea that each of us um, needs to uh, express our unique selves, and that is a, a separate justification, separate fundamental justification for free speech. So. Um, uh, theorists and, and uh, philosophers see, in a sense, see speech as a means to these ends rather than a, uh, an end in itself. So there are these confusing um, uh, and, and differing approaches, and I think that the, a lot of the confusion about WikiLeaks is, in a sense, about taking these different positions, you know, uh, political campaigning uh, on the basis of, a, of an absolute principle uh, is, is a, um, uh, it tends to be what organizations are used to doing. Lawyers um, are very used to balancing between different rights. Um, and uh, if we're in, involved in an abstract philosophical argument, we are concerned with, with freedom of speech as a, as a means to an end. Can we, if we can um, get, get a little bit deeper into uh, the, uh, the, uh, the balancing notion of rights and the fact that freedom of speech is not um, an absolute right, I think it's going to be important to understand the, uh, the fact that we've had very different regimes for different kinds of media. So uh, the notion of freedom of the press, um, constitutions don't generally 
protect freedom of the press, they, they, they generally protect freedom of speech or freedom of expression, but the, the notion of freedom of the press um, is, or the free, freedom of the media is separate from uh, freedom of speech and can come into conflict with freedom of the press um, uh, if individuals assert their speech rights against, for example, newspapers or media organisations. The, the newer notion of internet freedom, and Hillary Clinton spoke about this in her famous uh, speech uh, early last year, what she called the fifth freedom, internet freedom. Uh, all of these um, uh, assertions of freedoms are really just that. They are just um, uh, tend to be assertions uh, uh, rather than uh, legally based rights. We can have an argument about freedom of the press, um, and there have been different regimes for different regimes and different balances, and we're used to much more regulation and broadcasting and so forth. Important to notice also in relation to the press and in relation to uh, broadcasting. Uh, Law applies. Publishers are held liable. Physical assets are held in the uh, jurisdiction in which publication is made. Uh, and that has consequences. It means that it is possible to establish a, uh, a, a procedure and a means for balancing speech rights against uh, the rights of others and other rights. Thinking uh, mainly about the UK, but also the U US uh, to a certain extent, we can, we can uh, make a number of statements and assessments of, of how in practice freedom of speech uh, is uh, implemented through the regulatory structure, which I think will be useful when it comes then to thinking about, about WikiLeaks in the next section uh, of my speech particular importance is the fact that judges very often defer to self-regulatory bodies and defer to ethical decisions made by journalists themselves. This, and, I th and I think this is, is, is particularly important in relation to WikiLeaks. So, for example, um, uh, the, uh, in some of the key cases around uh, uh, defamation, for example, uh, we have a, uh, a legal uh, jurisprudence emerges which in a sense defines the, um, defines the practice of responsible journalism. So uh, when uh, Albert Reynolds, the uh, Toysuk, I don't know if there's anyone uh, Irish here, but the, the uh, Irish um, Prime Minister. Um, <clears throat> the idea was developed, subsequently slightly been watered down, was that journalists are protected, are permitted protection of speech if they act responsibly. So if they're working without malice, if they're not rec reckless, and crucially they're working on a matter of public interest, if they can demonstrate that they are not just uh, working on a tittle-tattle kind of story, but they're working on a matter of public interest. So speech is protected if those tests are uh, passed. And in this sense, 
journalists' privilege is granted really in exchange for duties. So judges balancing these rights will take into account um, how serious an allegation is, um, whether the matter is of public concern, of public interest. Uh, the verification strategy, have journalists uh, acted professionally to verify uh, the story uh, and uh, a number of other tests in terms of the circumstances of the publication and so forth. The sub subsequent case, this was slightly altered, but the principle stands that the, um, uh, the judge will uh, ultimately take into account those, um, uh, those aspects of professional, uh, professionalism in journalism when deciding whether uh, speech should be protected. And in the day-to-day -day management of, uh, uh, of journalism, the tendency is to defer to press councils, uh, uh, journalists themselves, editors, um, <clears throat> to manage this. Judges don't want to get involved uh, uh, too often in making these kinds of decisions. So in, in liberal de democracy, in liberal democracies, freedom of speech does act as a kind of a master category uh, structuring the regulatory framework but it does so with exceptions and limitations. Um, <clears throat> for all the rhetoric about free press, journalism is very uh, regulated, but it tends to be through self-regulation, um, but also the application of law. As long as a publication has assets in the jurisdiction in which it's published, the law can be applied, and free speech is not absolute in that context, it's balanced with other rights. So this of course raises the question about Wikileaks um, and whether Wikileaks is in some way self-regulating, is in some way um, uh, uh, balancing. And just to sum up, um, I think John Kampfner um, uh, in, of Index on Censorship, uh, the uh, renowned, renowned journalist, um, put it up very well, He's, uh, put it very well, he said, as long as you accept uh, that you, uh, you may justifiably be prevented shouting fire in a crowded theatre, as long as you accept that, then you accept that, that rights can be balanced. Um, the right to free speech is not absolute. There are circumstances when it's justified to restrict that. Obviously, this brings us to the question uh, of uh, WikiLeaks and the cables and whether um, the uh, consequences of publication, for example, um, uh, the, the alleged uh, uh, putting into danger of US military personnel, whether uh, the US government's claim that, that this was the case and that uh, WikiLeaks acted irresponsibly, uh, whether that claim holds water, or whether WikiLeaks' response, that they were acting as responsible journalists, bringing to uh, public attention uh, matters of public interest, um, that's the territory we are working on. 
Um, and it raises some, some key questions and, and thinking about how uh, balancing works and the notion of, of responsible journalism and self-regulation of journalism um, raises questions about the extent to which WikiLeaks had um, procedures uh, to act which, which, which ensure that it acts responsibly, that it has an ethical code, that it is concerned with the possible consequences of publication um, and is not involved uh, uh, in uh, public publication without suffi giving sufficient attention to those potential consequences. Now, if we, those people that have looked back at the history of WikiLeaks generally agree that it's gone through different phases uh, in its approach. Originally, the model was uh, very simple. An electronic Dropbox guarantees uh, of uh, protection of sources written into the design of the, the project. Um, uh, we, we can guarantee protection of sources because we don't know who they are. Um, and on the publication side, material, to put it bluntly, was, was simply dumped, was simply uh, 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 stored on the site. And also, there was a wiki element to it. It could be edited, um, crowdsourcing of editorial uh, of that material. And that was the early model. And I think what we've seen in the development of WikiLeaks is a gradual shift towards a more conventional uh, journalistic model and a, um, a, a, an acceptance of broader ethical principles around um, responsible publication, the consequences of publication. So, um, in, in uh, looking, one of the problems, however, is that uh, WikiLeaks is not so very transparent, and you have to look uh, uh, quite a lot, you, you have to spend quite a lot of time and effort to try and actually find out what, what WikiLeaks does in terms of its approach to material. Uh, and if you compare old versions of the WikiLeaks uh, site and new versions, what you see is that they've become uh, uh, much more adept at um, uh, uh, being transparent about those processes. Uh, but there's not uh, a great deal of uh, uh, information um, beyond the level of them saying what they do. There's no, there, there don't appear to be any other kinds of account accountability mechanisms like, for example, press councils, ethical codes, uh, or ombudsmen, um, which you would, you would expect to see in comparable established journalistic outlets. And those self-regulatory bodies um, are a source of protection from uh, uh, interference uh, by uh, the law uh, or uh, statutory regulators on traditional media. So what does WikiLeaks say? Uh, WikiLeaks says, when information comes in, our journalists analyze the material, verify it, and write a news piece about it, describing its significance to society. We then publish th both the news story and the original material in order to enable readers to analyze the story in the context of the original source material themselves, etc., etc. And then they describe their procedure in the following terms, and this, this 
this, this change that I was describing. As the media organization has grown and developed, WikiLeaks has been developing and improving a harm minimization procedure. We do not censor our news, but from time to time we may remove or significantly delay the publication of some identifying details from original documents to protect life and limb of innocent people. So they are developing ideas of, of responsible uh, journalism and um, I think we could, we could look um, a little bit in more detail at this. Uh, interestingly, Mark Stevens, uh, the, the UK lawyer for uh, WikiLeaks, has said publicly, um, and this is borne out in the, in, the, in, the, in the Guardian's book and so forth, uh, that, that, that there was a process which involved not just uh, the uh, WikiLeaks themselves, but the D-Notice Committee, which is the committee specifically to advise uh, UK media on security breaches. Uh, were involved and uh, stories were also uh, run by uh, US authorities in order to establish whether they would lead to uh, 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 national security um, uh, violations and that the specific test that the D-Notice uh, Committee applies is whether publication uh, fails the test um, as follows, whether it will not endanger life or an ongoing operation. So uh, Stephen, um, Mark Stevens says that what was published um, passed that test. In other words, it was seen not to endanger life or an ongoing operation. So the ongoing controversy about whether WikiLeaks um, uh, is journalism, whether it um, uh, has been um, uh, responsible enough to uh, the ethical principles of journalism and, and aware of the consequences of journalism will, will I'm sure, um, continue. But there's evidence, just to sum up, that WikiLeaks is developing its ethical approach um, and uh, uh, <coughs> at the self-regulatory level is very aware of those subtle balances it's got to strike and the uh, necessity for verification, for um, uh, 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 being aware of the consequences of publication, being, being aware of the proportionality between public interest and those potential consequences. But I think, in passing, I think there are some very interesting questions about the balance between freedom of expression on the one hand and national security on the other. Um, <clears throat> WikiLeaks is global and um, the test um, applied by the D-Notice Committee, and I'm sure a similar test is applied in the US, um, is whether publication will not endanger life or an ongoing operation. An operation in the military context obviously has, um, uh, <coughs> has a reference to um, the, uh, a particular nation state um, who is running that operation. And if you're on the other side of that operation, your national interest will look very different. So in a sense, WikiLeaks, in putting its material up for those tests uh, within the US and the UK, is not acting as a genuinely global organization. And national security um, is obviously uh, an area where some specific 
issues arise for an organisation which claims to be global and claims to be um, uh, uh, holding governments to account. I think those um, aspects of uh, the, the national uh, nature of self-regulatory systems and uh, journalist professional cultures um, and also the nature of, of national security are something which um, require further investigation. A couple more notes on, on, on WikiLeaks before I uh, draw to a close. Um, one, just to repeat, um, the model is that uh, WikiLeaks avoids having physical financial assets in um, uh, uh, anywhere, really. It has servers um, uh, around the world, in Sweden. Um, Iceland um, is in the process of passing a law which may lead to Iceland becoming a haven for such uh, organisations by um, establishing a particularly protective uh, area uh, for protection of sources, for example, uh, and in terms of uh, uh, potential for uh, uh, prosecution by um, foreign governments. Um, in conclusion, um, I think it's, it's obviously too soon to say um, how this is going to end up in, t in terms of uh, uh, whether uh, uh, Assange himself or the organisation will be subject to a prosecution and whether a judge will find um, uh, him or herself asking these questions about whether WikiLeaks has a sufficient um, regard to the responsibilities as well that go with the rights to freedom of expression. Many people have argued that the, the ironic outcome of this um, uh, type of project may be that there, there, there could be a censorship uh, backlash um, and the question of the overall regulatability, regulatability, regulability of the internet uh, I think is one which um, uh, we, we do need to bear in mind. Ten years ago, uh, we, people still uh, believed uh, the, uh, the notion that somehow the, the, the internet was not regulable, uh, that it was not possible to block or filter um, or uh, uh, deny service to particular content providers. I don't think we labour under that illusion uh, anymore. Um, and it may be that um, organisations like WikiLeaks are so threatening to, to governments uh, that they uh, lead or they, they contribute to what I think is a, is, is a uh, slide towards tendencies to be much more open to uh, restrictions on free speech on the internet. Um, uh, and we could go into a long conversation about the, rela the, the relationship between this and issues of net neutrality, for example. Um, so there may be a backlash, but I think that there are much more important, um, uh, much more um, uh, unexplored uh, areas uh, of the uh, role of nation states in freedom of speech and the relationship between free speech and uh, ethical restraint that we uh, need to explore. Um, and uh, <clears throat> whether we are um, in the, in the um, 
whether we are able to uh, persuade uh, WikiLeaks or other organizations like WikiLeaks to engage in this ethical uh, debate about what constitutes responsible publication and whether, in particular, the issue of national security can be resolved um, uh, in, a, in a globally balanced way, I think are some of the bigger challenges. Yeah.